and welcome to the Lions Podcast. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Anderson. This is the NFL Draft Edition. Want to put this out there. This is being done on Thursday prior to the draft. So we are seven days away. This information will change and can change drastically rapidly. So just understand that we're going to do the best we can to give you the overarching thoughts from each of these positions or each of these markets that we talk about. But again, by the time you consume this content, some information could come out, things could happen. These numbers can vary drastically and move really, really rapidly. So, Stephen, that's kind of my very first caveat as we get in here to all of these draft markets and stuff. Like this is an, as always, the draft is informational based. The way that we make money off the draft is that, hey, look, it's one of the very few things that we are on a level, even playing field with the books because they're relying off information. We're relying off information. We're trying to figure out where the information is coming from. And it is it the best information out there and the books are trying to do the same thing. So it is one of those things why, you know, we can go in and, and hope to have a decent ROI in these deals, because if we can read the tea leaves correctly and we can process the information correctly and we have a decent idea of how things might slot there, there's money to be made in the draft. And since the COVID year draft, where it was literally the only thing to bet on in sports betting, there have been some best practices that we followed each year. Matt, you, I, I know you're a, a humble guy for the most part. So I'll say you are one of the most profitable NFL draft betters out there. So we have some best practices to go on here. What types of information have been smoke screens in the past? What types of information and who it comes from has been a little bit more reliable in recent years? And for me, the theme of this draft in particular is that overall compared to other years, this draft sucks. Like there is a consensus around the league and draft circles that there's really only 15 true blue chip first round players in this draft. And with 31 first round picks, Dolphins lost theirs. They got it docked. After those blue chip players on these teams boards are taken, it could be complete chaos here. So when it comes to that back half of the first round, I wouldn't be laying heavy juice on anything. Um, if you're going to be laying heavy juice, it better be something that just broke and you're just trying to get it before it goes off the board or something that is just completely agreed on across the NFL draft information circles. So I am expecting chaos in this draft and it starts with the number two pick after Bryce Young is going to be number one. We don't have any idea what the Texans are going to do here. Yeah. So starting with the number one overall pick and we'll, you know, this just kind of will easily transition into our quarterback talk here. Um, The number one overall pick in the draft before we get started here, if you're listening on the audio version, if you want to hit the pause button just for two seconds, scroll down, give us a five-star review. That would really, really help us climb up the podcast charts. And if you're watching us on the video side of things, head down below, hit that subscribe button, give us a like, and then let us know in the comment section anything that you feel that we either missed on or didn't get to because we are going to have another pod next week as well before the draft comes around, and we will certainly address anything that you guys put in the comment section as well. So we'll go in after that. But number one overall pick, look, this was a market in which if you, you know, I do – I do content all over the place. Steven, we had uh, an early draft look podcast where I said, this steam on CJ Stroud is ludicrous. And I was screaming from a mountaintop to not let this, not that let this affect your bets and don't go crazy on this thing. And sure enough, it is now swung pendulum back to Bryce Young to the tune of, I mean, listen, the, the best you're going to get right now is, you know, minus 1200 at three of the different books 
out there on the number one overall pick. Now, really, the only way I think you bet this right now, Stephen, is if you if you have a nice, good Bryce Young ticket. If you just think that there is a snowball's chance in hell hmm. that's, that, that this is all craziness and the Panthers could actually take C.J. Stroud, it's already drifted all. It's drifted up to eight to one now, where taking you know putting whatever 30 bucks 50 bucks whatever it is to make sure that you can get a steak dinner out of this and you're not coming away empty-handed if if absolute chaos breaks out but for me it seems pretty obvious it's going to be young I was able to not only get in on young a little bit earlier but when the price swung all the way to plus 275 on Bryce Young I'm also uh, in on him as well right here I think it is between those two guys I think it's going to be Bryce Young I thought it was going to be Bryce Young all along but we're in this to make money. Steven. This is the, this is the thing, right? I mean, this is one, if you can take anything away from this, what we think is going to happen, what Adam Schefter and all these other guys like think is going to happen and stuff like that. Like that doesn't really matter. What matters is what the GM and the coach decide when they walk up to that podium and the name gets read off. And so there's nothing wrong with hedging in draft bets. Drafts get crazy. They make weird decisions. Sometimes we have seen, the, you know, the Raiders, for example, make some of the worst, most egregious picks in the history of the NFL, like over the last 10 years, over the last decade. So you just have to understand it's okay to hedge a little bit to make sure that you don't walk away empty handed. That being said, Bryce Young minus 1200, CJ Stroud eight to one. The very next guy on the board is Anthony Richardson at 15 to one. Rumors out there that the Panthers were doing their due diligence on him, but Steven, it's not going to be him. It's going to be one of those top two guys and it's li- very likely to be young. For sure, no intrigue left in the in the number one overall pick market, heavy juice. So what's interesting to me, Matt, though, is that so much of the airwaves have been sucked up over the past month or so about who the Panthers like more, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, that there's been very little talk about how the other teams in the top five, top seven rank these quarterbacks. That's completely unknown at this point. There's obviously been rumors that the Houston Texans may not like C.J. Stroud for whatever reason. Uh, Albert Breer is connecting Will Levis to the Indianapolis Colts, but what maybe they didn't anticipate C.J. Stroud might be there for a Mm -hmm. chance to move up to two or three, and if the Texans would even consider. So the fact that there's just been so much talk about who the Panthers like at quarterback and very little about who the other teams like at quarterback – means that there's some pretty juicy odds out there on on these other quarterback markets. And, you know, let's start with just how many quarterbacks will go in the first round, Matt, over under four and a half quarterbacks, minus 115 each way here. Yeah. And that shifted a lot with the recent news in, in the last couple of days and weeks that Hendon Hooker might be moving up into the first round. Pete yeah. Schrager, who has been right about some things in the past, but completely whiffed on putting Malik Willis in the first round last year. So this is a, this to me, Matt, is a storyline that happens year in and year out. Some fringe quarterback is getting rumored to be taken in the first round, and then he doesn't. So I'm not buying it. There's also been a steady stream of information that um, Anthony Richardson might plummet, and if not him, teams don't like Will Levis as much. So. I think it's a bit of a reach that five quarterbacks will go in the first round. And I like this kind of, you know, standard minus 115 juice on under four and a half quarterbacks in the first round. Yeah, I'm kind of actually on the other side here. Um, Really? Okay. I I think a team's going to end up taking a flyer on on Hendon Hooker. And here's the thing. I honestly believe now he wouldn't go number one overall, but had he not gotten hurt, I think he would at least be in the conversation right there with Young and Stroud. And so... 
with all of that, I mean, the, the, the really the only not now at this point is, is the age thing, because if we believe that he's going to have to sit for a year to be completely healthy, um, you know, he's going to be a starter then in his year 26, uh, season. And, and, and the thing is, is, you know, yes, that's not great, but at the same time, if you get eight to 10 years out of a quarterback, any NFL franchise will be perfectly fine with getting eight to 10 years out of a quarterback. You get eight years out of him. He's 34 years old. That's very commonplace in the NFL. I don't think that this is like the wackiest thing in the whole world that that he would go. I think people are blowing this age thing up uh, at least a little bit here because we're talking about a guy that had just phenomenal success and has all the tools that everybody's looking at from an NFL standpoint. And the reason that I'm leaning a little bit towards the over is just because we do have some teams that have luxury picks in this draft. And that is where I think that some of this might actually come to fruition, right? Like Detroit has a pick at 18 and they will have already had a very high pick and that's their second pick in the first round. If they wanted to take a Hendon hooker, nobody's going to lose their mind over that for this Detroit team. Because by the way, if you look at the Detroit team on paper, they're pretty damn stacked on both sides of, of the ball. And, and so just admitting that Jared Goff isn't necessarily the, the, the franchise future here. I don't think anyone's losing their mind at all on that. You have Tampa at 19, certainly needs a quarterback. You have Seattle that has a, again, one of those luxury picks I'm talking about. Their second pick in the first round comes at pick 20, where they will have already had a top five pick and then can come back. And if they wanted to take a Hendon Hooker at pick 20, no, again, nobody's losing their mind. Pick 23, Minnesota. You don't have to play Hendon Hooker in year one because you still have Kirk Cousins on a one-year uh, on a one-year deal. So he could be the bridge to get to Hendon Hooker. So I don't think that it is cousins. I didn't even, I I don't think that this is like the craziest thing in the world for one of these teams to kind of lock up a dude that, you know, again, you get that fifth year option and with a luxury pick, you know, whatever. Now it's probably got to be one of those teams. It's probably got to be Detroit at 18, Tampa at 19, Seattle at 20 or Minnesota at 23 for this to get home. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for it to get there, which is why I wouldn't play the under. I'm not happy. I'm not running to play the over either. But I I would not be caught on the under here in this one, just just based off of those teams that I do feel like kind of have some luxury picks. Sure. The the reason I brought it up is not not because I'm betting it, but the fact that you're getting mm-hmm. even juice on both sides, you don't see that very often at this point, a week before the draft as we record now. So I guess my point is, if you have a strong opinion like you do then you're getting pretty decent juice here. You don't have to lay a lot. Um, So it's kind of a 50-50 proposition here with the juice. I love that you brought up the Detroit Lions. The other team I want to bring up is the Las Vegas Raiders, who were already reported as very much in the mix trying to move up to the number one pick here, despite the fact that they brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. So we know that they are interested in a quarterback in this draft. Those two teams are where you can get some really juicy odds in the market here to tie them to some of these other quarterbacks. To draft Will Levis, the Raiders are plus 800 at FanDuel. The Lions are 50 to 1. To draft Anthony Richardson, Indy plus 350. I I don't think they're tied to Anthony Richardson. I think there's solid reporting from Albert Breer tying Will Levis to the Colts. Uh, But the other teams on FanDuel, Las Vegas, four to one odds to draft Anthony Richardson. Detroit, 20 to one odds to draft Anthony Richardson. Like you said, they have two picks if they wanted to do that. And if you don't want to get specific on which quarterback they'll draft, you can get the Lions plus 750 to take a quarterback. And you can get the Raiders plus 250 to take a quarterback over at DraftKings. So 
Uh, the, I agree with you. Those luxury picks and the Raiders, I'll add as well, is already being tied to the quarterback market. That's where you can get some really interesting stuff. And I'm curious what you think about the Indianapolis Colts overall, because I'm convinced at this point that they are not going to trade up, either because the Texans are in their division and don't want to, or they know that the Cardinals are basically not taking a quarterback. They don't have really a big reason to trade up one spot. And lastly, despite the research they've done on these first-round quarterbacks, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that the Colts not only flew out to BYU to give a private workout to Jaron Hall, but also had him in their facility for another workout. So they worked him out twice now, kind of in the mold of that round two upside quarterback that Jalen Hurts was. And Shane Steichen, obviously, coming over from Philadelphia, their OC, they went the second round quarterback upside route. So to me, it doesn't necessarily indicate that the Colts are going to pass on a quarterback in round one. But if their guy isn't there, I don't think they're going to force it and take a quarterback. And it also makes me think they're less likely to give up more capital to trade up for a quarterback. So if that happens, then there are some amazing long shot odds on the Colts or the number four pick to be one of these elite corners, to be one of the defensive players. So that's interesting to me as well with the Colts situation. Yeah, I can't see the Colts passing on a quarterback. I mean, I, it just doesn't make it, it just doesn't make a ton of sense for them. I mean, I think they're just doing their due diligence in case something just went completely off the rails. Like you know, but and they should. You know, that's what a that that's what these teams should do. But I think they've made it pretty well known that they want a quarterback. That this is a draft in which they can take a quarterback. And honestly, you can't really go wrong if you're the Colts in this situation. If the Cardinals really do hold on to the third pick, right? Because you knew going into this that you were likely to get either Levis or Richardson. And if this whole Texans thing it might be Levis or play, Stroud now, too, you might have your choice of all three. Yeah, you might have your choice of three. So I can't imagine that that's going to be the case here when it comes down to it. So uh, very interesting. I think the one thing we can look at here for me, if we're just looking from strictly from a value aspect, it's plus 275 at DraftKings. I don't know exactly what it is at other books right now. Steven, you might for the number two overall pick. Um, if there's a better odd on CJ Stroud to go plus 275 as the number two overall pick out there anywhere. But I think it's probably the best at DraftKings. Yeah, it looks like it is. It but is. it's plus 275. Here's the thing. We can either believe all of this noise out there or we can just go with what is you know, again, like what, what was likely to happen for the vast majority of the entire offseason, which was that the Texans were going to take a quarterback at two, whichever one that was left, you know, whichever one of the guys that was left. And again, this could be a franchise altering decision for them if they choose not to, because Stephen, if they go into this year with Davis Mills at quarterback, you're basically having to tank again in order to get one of the top two quarterbacks next year. There's only right. two cons first round quarterbacks next year now there are some guys that could sneak in as we always know but really it's Caleb Williams it's Drake May and then there's like some fringe guys that if they play up to you know play play up to the level that people think they could then they could sneak into the first round as well but you're really only looking at two guys that are surefire first rounders which means you have to have one of the top two picks again next year if you want to guarantee yourself one of the quarterbacks next year so uh, you know again I just don't know if you can roll the dice. Listen, we all thought Seattle was going to suck this past year, and they didn't. They won more games than they needed to. The Texans, by the way, maybe the most egregious win in NFL history to put them at number two 
right here where they could have taken where they could have taken Bryce Young at one and instead they decide to win in week 18 a meaningless game to, that put them at two and now that puts them in this weird position so again um I am not off of this whole CJ Stroud going number two thing I, I actually think that this is a lot of, a lot of a lot of smoke going on out there in my opinion yeah, it's it's hard. This is where I'm not going to give a strong opinion here because there has been a steady stream of information, not just from one person, but multiple um, and some guys that have been trustworthy in the past that the Texans may not be interested in a quarterback with that second pick. Now, what I will also hedge with there is that the dumbest thing the Texans could do is not take a quarterback and keep the pick. If you're not taking a quarterback there are teams that are confirmed interested in quarterbacks in this draft, and you need to trade that pick to move down two, three, four spots and still get a blue chip defensive player and extra draft capital. Your roster sucks. So, yeah. but dumb teams do dumb things in the draft. So, um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see. The other thing I'll say that we should mention, and we'll talk more about this at defense. Uh, I'm not convinced that Will Anderson would be the pick at number two based on his odds and that might be worth something too but we can talk about that more when we get to defense yeah again i just i just think from a just again we're doing this from a betting standpoint i think the plus 275 just from a betting standpoint do the texans yeah, if decide it's not the texans it might be somebody that trades up to get him as well you have multiple avenues to get stroud at number two right it's kind of one of those things where if it's not the texans if they wanted to trade out of that spot it's likely someone coming up to get stroud at two yeah. so i do like stroud at plus 275 to be the number two Overall pick running back props. This is easy. It's going to be Bijan Robinson. He's the first running back off the board. No doubt about it. There's not going to be two go in the first round. And it's very, very highly likely that Jameer Gibbs is the second one off the board. If it's not, it's probably going to be Carbonet, And that's going to be about it. There's no other guy that has really any, any sort of high grade. Now there's a bunch of depth in this for in the third, fourth rounds, fifth round, stuff like that. If you listen to the, to the talent evaluators out there, they're all like, yeah, it's, it's deep for guys that are going to be, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounders. But there's nobody's going high. It's going to be B. John Robinson. That's going to be it. And most likely the second guy taken is going to be Gibbs. And that's going to be on day two anyway. But how high is Bijan going, Matt? Because we got markets on that. Bijan Robinson at FanDuel over under pick 12 and a half. You can get plus 134 on under 12 and a half. And that's interesting to me because I'll go back to the idea that the consensus is there's only 15 blue chip first round picks in this draft. And some of them are quarterbacks and a lot of teams in the top 15 don't need a quarterback. Daniel Jeremiah has Bijan Robinson as his number three overall prospect in this draft. And yeah. I think you and I both agree that the positional value of running back is not worth taking them in the top 15, but that's not what we're in the business of doing here. We know for a fact that these teams in the NFL, a good number of them will not care about positional need or positional value some gms do not subscribe to that the smart ones do but a lot of gms do not and they will trust their board when it comes to the first round pick and strictly go by grade and if Bijan robinson has a top 10 top five grade on their board then they are not going to pass on him for a positional need that high in the draft the the positional need trumping grade generally will come in the later rounds when you have guys that are pretty close together here. So, for example, the Atlanta Falcons, we already know that they subscribe to the idea of sticking to the board and going with the grade over positional need because they spent a top five premium pick on a tight end in Kyle Pitts, and they're trotting out a, a sixth round 
rounder right now. And we know Bijan Robinson is not just a two down back. He is a three down back with great hands. And the other thing I'll just mention here is too, I don't think teams care so much about the cost of the running back at this point as we do in draft Twitter does and fantasy Twitter does because Christian McCaffrey was the eighth overall pick on a four-year contract. That total contract was only $17 million and they have a fifth-year option on him. If Bijan Robinson is the elite player in this draft and one of the few offensive elite players in a draft where a bunch of wide receivers are not considered to be top 10 picks or even top 15 picks, I like that under 12 and a half on Bijan Robinson. Well, we have to just look at the outs is the thing, though. That's that's what we have to do. And again, so Carolina is not an out. Houston is not an out. Arizona is not an out. Indy is not an out. Seattle's not an out. Detroit is not an out. I have three I think are outs. Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Tennessee. Yeah, Those yeah. Are the three, I, mean, I think it's, maybe it's it's it comes down to three outs, and in those three outs, I think the very very most likely is Philadelphia at ten. They have a roster that is complete enough that if you think you are one super playmaker away from getting right back into the thick of things yet again, now they did have some attrition on that on in in that um, in the offseason, but they're still a pretty loaded team, and so. It's not, there's not a glaring place of need for Philly. And so I do think 10, I kind of look at this as a one out bet. I don't think Atlanta is going to take, I, I, I just do not think Atlanta is going to take a running back. Like I, I cannot see that actually being the case here. I, I do feel that this is a very big, very, very big kind of one out play in this, but it's a very strong one out as well. Right. That's the other. That's the other. Thing. Are you talking it's about a very Tennessee? strong one out with the Eagles? Oh, with the Eagles. Okay, I I actually think Tennessee might be the stronger out because they've already been rumored to try to trade Derrick Henry. Teams don't always draft for need in that upcoming season. They have their eyes down the road. Uh, we've heard a lot of GMs talk about building strength on strength so that the next year comes around and you're not the cupboard's not bare at that position at that point. Um, so I actually do think it's a couple of outs here, but I just go back to the fact that, you know, this is not the normal running back. This is not Najee Harris or Travis Etienne last year. This guy is graded a hell of a lot higher in a much weaker draft class. Day one NFL ready, modern day NFL ready, like the whole nine yards. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is more like they're not the same type of running back, but they're both three down backs. This is more like a Christian McCaffrey type running back. And Mm -hmm. You know, when I saw some of the most respected draft evaluators out there make this guy one of the top five overall players in the draft, and there's only 15 good players in this draft, that's when it it piqued my interest a little bit, that teams might just say, this draft sucks, we can get similar guys in, in later rounds. Let's just stick to the board and stick to the guy who's got the highest grade. And I think that might be B. John Robinson in the top 12. Yes. And like you mentioned, the one thing to mention about the Falcons, though, as you said, like they're kind of in a YOLO spot right now as it is anyway, right? I mean, like, nobody in that division is really all that good. Like, I mean, could they think that getting they a traded Robinson for Jeff Okuda to, to kind of help cornerback a little bit? Okuda has stunk, yeah. but they're, they've addressed another position of need already. Do they think that getting a Robinson helps a Desmond Ritter in his first full season as starter? Mm-hmm. You to go along with the second year yeah. of Kyle Pitt? I mean, like, because Tyler Algier is not getting 300 touches. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I still I still would lean over because I think it's still a one or two out bet. But um, 
But like you said, sometimes teams just start drooling over these players, and rightfully so, and a guy like this guy just doesn't come around very often. And so um, they might have to pull the trigger on that one. Off to the wide receiver position. First wide receiver off the board is a big favorite of being Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now, if you wanted to go to one of the long shots, the next two guys, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, that's 5-1, to 7-1, to one, Quentin Johnson sitting 10-1. to one. If you look at these mock drafts out there, uh, Stephen, and if you kind of look at really and truly where the where where these guys are are going to go, it seems to be like it is pretty much the consensus that it's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba going. If you look here, there is a very very strong tie to that second pick that the Texans have. Um, to once it gets to them at 12 that they would pull the trigger on a wide receiver because it's a team that just doesn't have any and doesn't have one and he could then step in and just kind of be your guy there on the offensive side of the board I would say that that is pretty strong to go with Njigba there at 12 but listen that's why his number is sitting 12 and a half right because mm-hmm. he has one it's almost a one out bet for that one too right I mean it's, it's like almost a one out bet for that one because you just can't really put a strong tie to him and any of those other teams in the top 11 picks. Are you convinced he's going to be the first wide receiver drafted? Because you and I... Wide receiver to me is always the least predictive position of any of them because because different teams fall in love with different traits for different guys and that is why to me, I tend to not have a ton of wide receiver bets in my portfolio each year because... It's some guys want a some guys want a burner. Some guys want a big body dude. Some guys want an excellent route runner who can move the chain. Like there are different needs for different teams that they instantly that in their brain they can plug that guy into the offense and he becomes an instant contributor. And so that's why to me for, for at the wide receiver position it's so incredibly volatile that I just don't like to get a ton of I don't like to get a ton of stuff in my in my portfolio um with wide receivers, which is why if it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, I would play the over just because, again, like the variance at the position, right? Like I'd always play the over on him and I'd probably play one of the other guys to go first as well, strictly based off of what I just said. Here's why I'm taking a stab at somebody else in this market. And Mm -hmm. JSN has gotten as short as minus 400 at points bet, I believe, to be the first wide receiver off the board. And I think that's a little crazy. I think this price has taken off based on mock drafts and fantasy football evaluations and dynasty rookie drafts and whatnot, because this is really about how teams evaluate wide receivers. And there have been multiple reliable draft reporters out there saying that some teams view Jackson Smith and Jigba as a slot only receiver. And it wasn't too long ago that that was the reason one of the best receivers in the league, Justin Jefferson started sliding down the first round because some teams viewed him as a slot only receiver. It's dumb, but it happens. Ask Cooper Cup if it matters if you're a slot only receiver who went and won Super Bowl MVP. So, I, the reason I bring this up is because, you know, Daniel Jeremiah is one of if not the most respected draft analyst in the game. He wants to be right with his mock drafts, but he's also tied into a lot of team sources obviously working for the NFL Network and he has been steady with ranking Jordan Addison as his number one wide receiver and not just number one, one of the top 10 overall players in this draft, despite draft Twitter downgrading him big time for a poor combine. The other thing I'll mention is Pete Schrager, who 
has been awful when it comes to quarterback news in his mock drafts, but has hit on a lot of other really good information in recent years at other positions. And he said he knows of at least one team that has Jordan Addison as their number one wide receiver still. And to your point, Matt, this draft does not have a burner. There is no wide receiver that went out and ran in the four threes. So the Henry Rugg style guys that skyrocket up draft boards are not a threat to Jordan Addison this year. So, you know, you can get 10 to one on Jordan Addison to be the first wide receiver drafted in this uh, in this go around. Right. Do one I mean, in 10 drafts. And, and that's it. That's what we have to say. Like, you know, yeah. d- does that happen? One in 10 drafts. And I think in one in 10 drafts, it probably does because we've seen wide receiver be so incredibly volatile. Yeah, for sure. And the other the other two wide receiver bets I've made are tying teams to the wide receiver market out there. The Dallas Cowboys in the past have not exactly been good at hiding their intentions with the NFL draft, right? They have had visits and in-depth connections with JSN, Josh Downs, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt. We already know their defense is elite. They got quarterback locked up. Offensive line is good. They have Tony Pollard on the franchise tag. That's some pretty steady smoke there on the wide receiver market for Dallas. And you can get them plus 500 or better for their first pick to be a wide receiver. And the other one that's kind of out of left field, Matt, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They obviously have a lot of needs outside receiver. But, I mean, the Eagles just lost the Super Bowl with an elite defense to Patrick Mahomes, who had the worst wide receiving core of his career. The Jaguars have to know that if they're going to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to outscore Kansas City. And I can't imagine that they're exactly satisfied with Christian Kirk, not a real number one wide receiver. And who knows what Calvin Ridley will be coming off a year away from the game if he'll be the same guy. You can get 15 to one on Jacksonville to take a wide receiver in their first pick. And they're in that spot towards the bottom of the first round where all the good offensive linemen should be gone. You know, all the premier defensive players should be gone. Those those wide receivers are going to kind of start collecting there at the bottom of the first round. I know this one's out of left field, and I see you shaking your head. I'm just throwing it out there. No chance. No, they got Kirk and Ridley. They're going into the they're going into the season with Kirk and Ridley. They they ain't taking a wide receiver. That 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 ain't happening. I like the Um, other ones better, but that that's kind of a little out out of left field lunch money one at fifteen to one. They they ain't they ain't taking taking a receiver. Y'all can y'all can save your money. (laughs) Um, what 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 we can do though is over under three and a half. What we can start to look at is the, you know, which receivers do we think for sure are going in round one? Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison seem to be very consensus that these are going to be first round picks. Quentin Johnson is in the first round in the vast majority of mock drafts that are out there. So what that does is basically we have to decide, does this mean, does, is, what is the chances of like a Jalen Hyatt getting getting into the first round if we want to take kind of like the the over of the three and a half because i mean again it's like you want two outs here quentin johnson could slip we actually see him in a lot of these drafts starting to slip and and try start to drift out of the first round so he's an out and jalen and jalen hyatt is an out how many times did jalen hyatt sneak into the first round and quentin johnson fall out how many times do both of these guys get into the first round and we easily cruise over the three and a half number it's just something we need to kind of start to assess here. I tend to lean towards the over here pretty heavily. I think there are some receiver needy teams towards the end of the first round that really could come in and and just start scooping up these receivers. I mean, the Chargers certainly need a receiver. Ravens, if they don't end up 
trading for DeAndre Hopkins or whatever in the hell else they're trying to do with all of that. The Vikings, if they don't go quarterback, could certainly use someone to help out Justin Jefferson so he doesn't just get double teamed every single time he runs a route uh, out there. The Giants certainly need help at the receiver position. You mentioned the Cowboys already. The Bills need a true number two because Gabe Davis has not turned out to be that guy for them. So, I mean, there are some teams that could take receivers towards the end of the first round. And so I lean pretty heavily towards the over on total number of wide receivers in the first round. Yeah, I, I respect your opinion on it. I can see it. I mean, it's, it's a, it is one of the five premium positions that are worth the cost of a first round contract and a first round pick, because if you hit on one, then you're getting a huge discount on the market for second year con or second contract wide receivers. So it makes a ton of sense to me to just kind of fire at wide receiver at the end of the first round in the same way teams fire at quarterback throughout the first round. Uh, I just, it's a weak class, right? It's, it's a weak class there. After you get past the top 15 picks, which I would argue none of these wide receivers are in the top 15 blue chip players. Then there it's really interchangeable between, you know, 16 through 50, it seems is the consensus. So, um, you could see these teams just waiting to get whoever's left there for them in the second round. Um, I'm, I'm more bullish on the tight end market. So we'll talk about that in a moment, but I, I don't, I, I don't have a strong opinion either way on the number of wide receivers in the first round, but based on yeah. recent history, three and a half is a very low number for, for the number of wide receivers in the first round. Yeah. Cause I mean, if, if we think three are going for sure, then, I mean, what was this know, number last year for like five and a half? Yeah, if we think three are going for sure, then we just have to ask how many times does that fourth one go, and is it worth you know is it worth betting that over? And in a passing league with so many teams that certainly could could look at at, at that position as a need, then we certainly can can kind of look at it like like that. You're listening to the Lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books, all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, Stephen, let's head to the tight end position. As you just mentioned, you like the tight end 
position. You have some thoughts here. First tight end selected is the first market we get to where there is at least a little bit of ambiguity here. Michael Meyer and Dalton Kincaid are almost neck and neck. If you're looking for first tight end selected in this market, there are varying mock drafts out there that have these guys flip-flopping all over the place. What say you? Well, I can pinpoint exactly what's happened here with the tight end market because a week ago, Dalton Kincaid was like minus 200 to be the first tight end taken. And then Lance Zerline goes on the ETR podcast and says that there might be some red flags with his weight and not being able to work out for teams during this draft process. And then all of a sudden, Mayer flips to, you know, like minus 170 to be the first tight end taken. But since that happened, there's now been a little bit more buyback on Kincaid to be the first tight end. So it really just depends on if you think teams are going to take Kincaid off of their board in the first round based on health issues. I can tell you Daniel Jeremiah still has him as his number one tight end. I can tell you that Pete Schrager still had him mocked as the first tight end off the board. What's more interesting to me are the markets around this because typically you have that hook, right? On these over-unders, Matt, it's always going to be two and a half, three and a half, never just an even number. It's interesting to me that DK has the number at two, which gives you push equity. Oh, so it's crazy yes. juice. It's minus 450. But if Kincaid and Mayer go in the first round, you're going to at least get your money back. And I do think there's a very good chance that three tight ends go in the first round. Or if Kincaid is taken off the board, there's been a steady drumbeat of Darnell Washington being a first-round tight end here with how weak the wide receiver class is. So if you don't want to lay that juice on over two tight ends at minus 450, you can just take Darnell Washington at even money to be a first-round pick in this draft. He as well is a top 25 overall grade by Jeremiah mocked by Schrager and another mock drafter. I respect who's been one of the more accurate ones in the country in recent years. Ryan McChrystal also has Darnell Washington going in the first round. And that's interesting to me because, you know, I'll just give you a couple more examples about where Schrager has been right, where it's kind of come out of left field. He was on the Trayvon Walker to number one before the odds moved. He was on a as the first offensive lineman off the board he had pits in the top five. The two that stood out to me the most, Zaven Collins really wasn't on anybody's radar to be a first-round pick, and he had Zaven Collins not only in the first round but going to Arizona, which is what he did. And he was also one of the first to have Henry Ruggs mocked to be the first wide receiver over Jerry Judy in 2020. So mm -hmm. um, th this is very interesting to me on the steady flow of information about Darnell Washington being in the mix for the first round. Yeah, if we take a look here, I have, you know, certain mock drafts that I kind of go in and just, um, you know, kind of get the consensus of what's going on in those. And if we look from a Darnell Washington standpoint, guys that I respect, the only problem I see is the guys that do have him going in the first round, it's like 29th, right? It's like 29th, it's like 30th, it's stuff like that. So it's like, you are walking the razor's edge, right? Because as you mentioned, there's one less pick in the first round this year. Mm -hmm. So it is like you are really, really kind of walking the wire there to have him go in the first round because it's every every good mocker out there that even does have him going in the first, it's like one of the last two or three picks 
in the first round. And so that's at least a little scary from a betting standpoint. But so let me ask you, know, you this then. Do you think there's any way that only one tight end is drafted in the first round? I do if people are really and truly concerned about this Kincaid stuff. Like, okay. and, and, and we have seen guys in, in Steven, this is one of the things too, is where we just kind of have to listen to the buzz and see if it is actual truth to it, or if it's just noise or something, but every single year, you know, this very, very well, anyone that's bet this year in New York, we, we will hear about a guy and it won't be today. Probably be like Monday of next week that it's like, Oh, by the way, he has medical issues. Like, like, like we hear every single year and it happens yeah. to one or two different guys and sure as hell, they fall out, they fall. Like, and, and my, maybe not all the way out of the first round, but like there is like drastic fall in, in, in these guys. And it happens every single year. I'm not saying it will happen this year, but it basically every year, someone gets something leaked on a Monday or Tuesday and they'll come out and say like, uh-oh, hearing player XYZ has some medical issues, blah, 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 blah. And we're already starting to hear that a little bit with Kincaid. And that has me a little bit scared that some of these teams are going to look and say, man, investing a first round pick in this guy, even though the upside we think is great. What if we, you know, if he's, if he's beat up from the get go, we might never see that upside. And so there, there is that he is one of the more, he is one of the guys that I have my ear to the ground on over the next few days than just about anybody else out there, because the, I think that there will be some money to be made one way or another on Kincaid, but basically either his over under, which by the way is set at 24 and a half at the majority of the books out there. Um, which is, that's and, all. And then also too. just from the, will he even go in the first round type deal? Yeah, for sure. I definitely need to listen up on him. Um, it would, this would be, if he falls out of the first round, that would be the biggest plummet of the first round, in my opinion, because he was one of the top 15 players just strictly by grade in this class. Uh, so if he plummets that far, that that would be something else. Yeah, it would be it'd be super interesting. But again, we'll we will do all that we can to to keep you guys updated whenever we take a look at how this all you know, again, how this how this is all going to uh, to shake out here. One more offensive position to get to here, and that is the offensive line. We have first offensive lineman selected Paris Johnson sitting about minus 120-ish. Peter Skronsky sitting about plus 125. It is definitely going to be one of those two guys. They are, look, these are surefire step-in day one starters in the NFL. No team has any qualms about putting either one of these guys on their offensive line. So really, it's going to come down to personal preference here, Stephen, which, like, I hate these picks for me. Mm -hmm. I hate having to do the whole, well, it really and truly comes down to whatever the team values most out of, you know, Johnson and Scrawnsky. So I try to shy away from these markets. I don't know if you have a stronger opinion on it than I do. I do. I'm taking a stand against Skronsky because mm. the more respected people I listen to, they believe he's a guard and a fringe tackle. And I cannot see a guard being the number one offensive lineman taken in this draft with a top 10 pick. Uh, this is not Quentin Nelson, uh, a man eating guard. You know, this is uh, this is a a fringe right tackle, if that. And I can't see teams spending a top 10 pick on him. So uh, Pete Schrager said in, in his last mock, he, teams appear to be split on whether Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, or Paris Johnson Jr. will be the first offensive lineman taken. 
with that type of volatility and one of the three being seen as a guard by a lot of teams, this is where I take my shot on getting the best price on Paris Johnson and combining him with Broderick Jones at 14 to one at FanDuel. And if, if I'm right, then I get a little bit of a profit, less than even money, obviously, uh, because I spent a little bit on Broderick Jones. But if it is Jones, then I'm getting a big profit. And I'm taking my stand that a guard will not be the first offensive lineman in this draft. Yeah, you would, though, be going against the vast majority of the kind of expert box that have come out over the last week. If we take a look, you mentioned Schrager himself. He has him going seventh overall uh, in his latest mock draft. If you start to look at some of these guys, Solak at the ringer has him eighth overall. Um, if you go, I, you know, listen, I think at Walter football, those guys do some really, really great mock drafts. They're two mock drafters. Have uh, have him going eighth and ninth. Uh, Listen, in their I think he's. I think he's probably the most polished. There, so. Right, I think the consensus is he's probably the most polished, but he doesn't have the most upside. And it, there's some other guys that have upside and are more likely to play tackle at a high level in the NFL based on that athletic upside. So that's kind of where my reasoning is going here. I, I acknowledge the mock drafts are against me on this one. Yeah, as far as Paris Johnson goes, and the reason why I do at least lean a little bit a little bit towards him, though, like I said, probably not a market that I'm going to be betting, is I do wonder if the Ohio State factor comes into play, right? Where it's kind of like, hey, this dude played at Ohio State. Like, you know, look at all these Ohio State guys that go to the mm-hmm. NFL, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I think sometimes teams can get a little bit wrapped up in that as well, right? Like where they look and say, Hey, this this guy played at this blue chip program and was played against other, you know, in practice every day against other blue chip guys on the defensive side of the ball. So he's already, you know, really, truly conditioned and stuff. And I think there's something to that. Right. I mean, I actually I think there is something to that, which is probably why the Broderick Jones stuff is starting to get a little bit of steam as well, because he is a dude that played at Georgia and you play against SEC teams every week. You play against your own team, which, by the way it's full of NFL guys on the other side of the ball, right? So, I mean, you're getting trained basically against NFLers every single day at practice. And I think that there are some teams that take that into consideration when they start to to really put together who they want to, you know, spend their high draft pick on. I agree with you. And I think, you know, without a bona fide star left tackle in this draft class, that's why I'm going to take my shot on the guys that are most likely to be tackles, at least right tackles in this draft um, so that, that's, that's my reasoning on this one. Yeah. If we, if we look at the positional total of offensive linemen, which is something that, you know, again, we're, we're trying to, you know, figure things out here with, with all of this, how many different guys are going to go at what position and stuff like that. Um, the positional total on offensive linemen is set at five and a half to go in the first round. Steven, if we look at the majority of these mock drafts that are out there, again, Johnson's going, Skaronsky's going, Jones is going, Darnell Wright from Tennessee is going Definitely. for sure in the first round. So we're at four already. Do we get to two more? Because that number, again, is sitting five and a half right now um, out there for total offensive linemen drafted in the first round. This is tough, man, in my mind. Um you know, with so much volatility between the grades of these guys and, and them not really having first round grades, but having to be picked in the first round. 
you know, I think team need starts coming into play at that point. Um, and I don't see these guys being top 30 level grades, top 32 level grades and yeah. some of the respected evaluators out there. I'm not sure if yeah. you see the same thing or not. I think there's a correlated play here. And it's if you think wide receivers goes over, then I think you probably look at oh, offensive line going under because yep. some of these teams that could spend on an offensive lineman, if they choose a receiver instead, then I think that really puts it under the gun. Like we said, there's only four surefire first rounders in Johnson, Skaronsky, Jones, and Wright. Now, Osiris Torrance has been mocked in about half of the drafts to go in round one. Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, about a, less, a little less than half to go into the first round. And then after that, you really start digging at the offensive line position as to another first rounder. I mean, there is Dwan Jones out of Ohio State. There's Steve Avila that is out of TCU that has getting, you know, a little bit in the first round. But again, these are all guys that of the respected mock drafts that I follow, I would say about 10% of them, you know, have them going in the first round here. So for me, you are getting right now under five and a half over at DraftKings is plus 200. You're getting two to one on the under of offensive linemen drafted. And I think that is a really, really, really strong bet. Again, give, especially if you think that wide receiver is going to go over as well, because some of those teams that might be looking offensive linemen, if they choose wide receiver, then, then we're really going to get into a crunch trying to get to six offensive linemen drafted in the first round. And tight end might help with this as well, because we know that three tight ends have top 40 grades. Two of them have top 25 grades. That could also contribute to O-Lyman going under. Yeah. Guys, again, we are, everything we do, absolutely free here. So please go down, subscribe, rate, review. Let us know in the comment section if you're watching on the video side what you think of all of this. If you are on the audio side, hit pause, go down, five stars. We do appreciate all that. Follow us in the Twitter and then also get in on the Discord as well for continued draft talk and some different things that we've got going on. Stick around for part two of this where we will go through the defensive side of things there is also a top five market there's a top 10 market there are also draft matchups that are available out there as well and we will run through all of those and give you our thoughts on what is either already in our account or what might end up on our account as well you want to follow steven on the twitter machine at steven anders one you want to follow me at matt brown m2 good luck on all of your draft bets